Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. They travel at speeds pushing 200 miles per hour. The very best drivers in the world putting their lives on the line every week. It's time to get the lowdown on this week's contenders, plus a look at the key driver matchups. Right now on Gone Racing. Welcome in, everybody. Brendan Gone in studio here with you. Gone racing at the lovely VEASAN studio, South Point Hotel side, not Circa Hotel side. And uh, today I'm all alone in the booth. I got my good, ma- my good friend, Mr. Jeff Motley, is my, of course, our cohort. Jeff, where, you're like, where's Waldo? Where in the world are you today? I'm up in Sonoma. We're getting Again? ready for a little racing action. Well, I work for both racetracks now. so Understood. I have to spend a little bit of time up here. I do still spend most of my time in Las Vegas, though. What do they got going in Sonoma right now? Uh, NHRA, drag racing. Oh, John okay. Force, Antron Brown, Tony Schumacher, all the guys. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we uh, we had an interesting day at New Hampshire the other day. A- a- one thing, you know, I know we want to talk about the, the wreck right at the beginning real quick and, and uh, the rain thing and all the, everybody yelling and screaming. But the one thing I want to tell everybody, and, and I forgot to mention this to you before we talked on air, I had people say, oh, it didn't look that dark. It wasn't that bad. They should have kept going. The cameras that we use, guys, these cameras that, that TV people have, they're amazing. They have what's called an iris. Do you know how dark it was at, when they finished that race? Right. People have to realize if you when you pretend it's an hour later, basically, is about what the iris does. It gives you an extra hour of daylight on the camera. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched some, saw some pictures uh, from Victory Lane and stuff like that, and you could see how dark it was in pictures. So for the folks at home, they ended the race. So if you didn't know, NASCAR, of course, called the race about nine laps short last week at uh, at, at New Hampshire for darkness because the rain came early. But it's it didn't look that dark on television. I've been at New Hampshire when we were battling darkness in a truck race back in 2004, and I remember that Bill Lester's truck, the Red Dodge, wrecked out of turn four and was at the on the racetrack side of the entrance of pit road for two laps before anybody saw the truck sitting there. And it was like, Oh goodness gracious. So it gets dark. NASCAR did the right thing. And we got a, a surprise winner, but you can go back now and talk about your start with uh, Kyle Busch and the dueling spins at the start of the race. Yeah. You know, my issue with that is, you know, you had Truex and, and Kyle Busch both coming on the radio um, three laps in saying, hey, look, it's really raining out here. Then on lap four, it said, look, it's 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 
pouring down out here, and they're both letting off the accelerator early. Now, I understand if Kyle Busch is leading the race with 15 laps to go and he says it's raining, that you don't listen to him. But if you're three or four laps into a 301-lap race and you got your two drivers that are running out front that are taking on the brunt of the weather and they're saying, look, it's, it's raining out here, listen to your drivers because they're closer to the racetrack and have a better feel for what's going on than anybody else. Now, I'm going to stick up for NASCAR here. Uh, and I don't normally do that. So this, I know I'm taking the opposite side of something for a change. It, it Look, they, they have spotters. We say it. We go, we're okay. And you're right. The steering wheel's in our hand. We can slow down earlier if we need to. And New Hampshire's not normally a place, Jeff. When you go to Michigan, you go to Talladega, sometimes there's a huge storm over in turn three. The rest of the track's perfectly dry, and there's a storm over here. This was different where New Hampshire is such a small track, you didn't expect turn one to be so bad if turn three wasn't as bad. So it definitely was was unusual, and NASCAR kind of said they were they were ready to put, throw that caution flag. They, had the, they said that they had had the flagman with the caution flag in his hand getting ready to throw it when, of course, the caution came out. So kind of a bummer for Kyle because he'd been on such a great streak lately. Martin Truex Jr. had a decent comeback for a 12th-place finish, so not terrible, but it still got a little egg on NASCAR's face. But in the, the end, is, great race. And the good thing is the two guys whose day was essentially ruined – they're both in the playoffs anyway. I mean, I, I don't want to diminish the fact that it was an important race for them, but at least it did not cost, say, Austin Dillon or Tyler Reddick or somebody that's sitting there on the bubble an opportunity to qualify for the playoffs. No, that, that's a very, very good point. That It it wasn't like Matt Benedetto had, had got the pole and was out there in the lead, and then that happened. It was two guys solidly in the playoffs, not in fear of anything. Now, it's still, you know, Kyle was hot, and he had right to be hot. But it, it and if you were a better, and you had Kyle. Oh yeah. Bush, you oh, were happy about it. oh yeah. No, no. I know there were some betters around all over the place, screaming and yelling when those two. I mean, but it was so much fun to watch. I mean, you watch those two go right into turn one, slip and slide, and then the whole field goes. Oh, hey, look! I think it's wet over there. Let's slow down. So that was amusing. Uh, and we do have the Olympics, synchronized wrecking. <laughs> <laughs> Olympic time, perfect. All right, everybody, welcome into Gone Racing. Brendan Gone in studio with you, Mr. Jeff Motley, at his second home out at Sonoma Raceway. And Motley, we uh, we don't have a show, a race this weekend because the Olympic break, like you mentioned. So this is going to be a little bit of a different show. We're going to uh, we're going to kind of break down a lot of the stuff that's been happening this year, some of the things that affected the betters this year, and and just kind of give you a recap and. You know, have a little fun today since this is kind of our our loose fun show. But let's start off with the, a big effect for the betters. Long shots have absolutely dominated the race wins this season. Well, they certainly did early on. I mean, you got two huge long shots with Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell winning the first two races. You know, it, and I think it's interesting because you see how the odds morph as the season goes along. You know, William Byron winning in Homestead at 28 to 1. Well, guess what? You're not going to get William Byron at <laughs> 28 to 1. <laughs> the rest of the way. And, and I think William Byron was one of those guys that you and I said at the beginning of the year, watch out. This is a guy who could make the biggest leap forward. Um, even Kyle Larson was a double digit favorite when he won in Las Vegas. You think you're going to get Kyle Larson in double digits at any mile and a half track on the schedule the rest of the year? 
you're not going to get cha- double digits for the championship. I mean, that's how that's how paltry he is. But but you're right. Is is we talk about futures, and we're going to talk about that later about championship odds. But guys like William Byron in those wins, guys like uh, Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr. These are guys that uh, this week Eric Almirola, which isn't even on this win sheet. I mean, you had sixty six to one with McDowell at. At Daytona, Chris Frill was eighty to one. William Byron was twenty-eight. Larson was ten. Truex was eleven. Blaney was twenty. Logano thirty-three. Those are just seven of the examples, and it doesn't even include what happened this weekend at New Hampshire, where another high—I think he was sixty or eighty to one—won this race. So I mean, a lot of huge returns for betters if you were willing to lay that risk and throw out that shot of, "Hey, I think that you know this guy's going to have a good week this week." You could, you're going to make a lot of money on those guys, and the betters have been reaping the benefits of it if you took the chance. Well, and I completely agree with you. You know, until Eric Almirola won this past weekend or last weekend in New Hampshire, I thought the biggest upset of the year in terms of winning, it was not to me Michael McDowell or Christopher Bell. I thought it was Joey Logano winning on a dirt track. Um, <laughs> I think we had so, we had so fixed in on Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, guys that had this experience on dirt tracks that had won in other series on dirt. Joey Logano had never really even raced on dirt until the weekend before when he ran like a late model race there at Bristol. And for him to come out and not only win but to dominate, I really thought that was the biggest upset of the season until Almirola won at New Hampshire. I think I'd argue that you are exactly right because Michael McDowell's win at Daytona was not as big of an upset as Joey Logano's win at Bristol. Matter of fact, I remember that show. We both kind of laughed because we talked about, like, Logano at 33-1. to 1. Was he worth it? And I'm like, hell no, he's not worth it. Logano's never touched dirt. And so that, that, to me, was probably one of the bigger shocks at the start of the season. Right. And then I think one of the things we got to go back and look at at the start, you know, Michael McDowell and Christopher Bell won those first two races. Well, until New Hampshire... Christopher Bell really had not followed up his win really with that many strong runs. And Michael McDowell hasn't really followed up his win, which is part of the reason why, even though they each have a win, they're at the bottom of the playoff standings among those that have already qualified. Yeah, and and they've, they're there, which, remember, this format, when you're in, unless we get 17 winners, which could still happen. Uh, let, let's also talk about the the really cool the the start of the season and and you know I, I love that Karina and Ann and, and Isaiah and all them variety is the spice of life. <laughs> At the start of this season, we had seven races with seven different winners, which had me Jeff on the huge end of me every week telling you we can get sixteen seventeen different winners. We had ten winners in eleven races, and that was the first time in two thousand ten winners in ten races, and in 03, nine winners in ten races. So that's you know kind of a, a record for variety in NASCAR. The first four winners of the season: McDowell, Bell, Byron, Larson. Larson, remember Asterix didn't get to race full time in twenty twenty. They combined for one win last season. That would be Byron, who won one race the season before, um, and none of them were better than fourteenth in points. I didn't realize that that Byron dropped out of the playoffs that quickly. Uh, first time since 1988 that the first four winners, uh, I lost my place. The first four winners of the season each had fewer than 10 career wins at the time of their victory. So that's actually kind of a cool stat. 1986, that's kind of a cool stat if you really look at that, that it, it basically means that fresh faces are coming into this sport. And, and the first two races were the first time wins with Bell and McDowell each getting their first career win. The only other time in history that happened was 1949 and 1950, which would be 
the first two years of NASCAR. So that that's a hell of a stat right there, Motley. But the start of the season was amazing with the people. Do you remember how we were talking? I mean, I was telling you 16 winners. I thought we were going to get the 16, 17 winners regular season. And we were saying, man, Michael McDowell, would that suck if Michael McDowell misses the playoffs because he won Daytona and too many people won a race? Well, no, you're right. And and look, you said uh, mathematically, we could still, we still get can. there. We can. Still, you're saying there's a chance. Right. But <laughs> in 16 winners, Michael McDowell is going to make the playoffs. It's 17 winners is when he might get nervous. But well, actually, get, uh, no, he's not nervous. Christopher, Christopher Bell's in worse shape than Michael No. McDowell. Eric Almarola is the one that's in the worst shape. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Eric Almarola. Because he hasn't really, he can't say he's clinched the playoff berth yet. 27th you know? in points before he got his win. Well, and here's the other thing with Almarola. And and honestly, I, I really, and I, I should have gone and looked back at this. He has to stay in the top 30 in points. He goes and blows an engine two or three weeks in a row and drops out of the top 30. His win does not qualify him. Yeah, so listen, he still must be in the top 30. Hold on. That that to me is less likely than 17 winners. I mean, you're saying yeah, there's a chance, but you're looking at those guys back there. That's a long you time. Know, Brennan, I, I think one of the other things the early part of the season, though, really showed us, and it was a, it was a topic that you and I talked about before the season began, we all knew what a great race car driver Kyle Larson was. Yes. We did not know, number one, how would the year off affect him from the NASCAR side of things. But the other thing we didn't know is how was he going to morph into the Hendrick team? I mean, we thought you put Kyle Larson in a Hendrick car, this is going to be really good. Well, he comes out and he wins in Las Vegas in dominating fashion. And look, let's face it, he should have won at Homestead, Miami. He should have won at Darlington. The number of races he has left on the table, oh, yeah. uh, Kyle, Kyle Larson really, really showed – during that early stretch, even though he only won one of them, that he was going to be the guy to beat. And that's a reason that he's the favorite for the championship right now. Absolutely. Now, after that amazing streak to start the season with all those great stats, then we got back to, okay, here comes some of the old guard. Martin Trex Jr., of course, uh, after seven races, became the first repeat winner. So he did that. And then you ended up getting, uh, you know, some a couple more unfamiliar... Alex Bowman in there, which was another double digit that we kind of were surprised of. But then you had Brad Kay win a super speedway, which we kind of thought. Kyle Busch finally off the schneid at Kansas. But look, at that was a 12 to 1 shot for Kyle Busch. So the betters this year, I think what, what this was showing at the start of the season is, and we said it, the chalk was not winning every week. The chalk was not the way to go. You look at these numbers. You know, Alex Bowman, 33, Brad Keselowski, 11, Kyle Busch, 12. We're naming all these races that they were not chalk. And they were getting you big returns on those wins again. No, you're exactly right. But I also think sometimes when we see the lines that are made for the first seven to ten races of the year, there's so much that gets based off of the previous year. And let's face it, most every race we went into early in the season, with the, maybe the exception of the road courses, who are our favorites? Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. Because Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick were the guy that was that won the most races last year. Even though we know Chase Elliott was the champion, Harvick and Hamlin seemed to be the guys to beat every week until they got to to um, till they got to Phoenix, and of course Harvick didn't make it there. So I think we had so much favoritism going on with Hamlin and Harvick that some of these other guys got forgotten, like Brad Keselowski and like Kyle Busch and, and folks like that. And what we've really found this year is Hamlin and Harvick, even though Hamlin's got the most points of any driver out there, he's still yet to find victory lane. So no one's cashed a big ticket yet on Denny Hamlin. 
Well, and, and that talks about the streaks that we've had because even though we had all these different winners, we've had a lot of streaks. You know, Truex uh, was the first repeat winner of the season, just said that. Truex also won three of the last four races at Martinsville, which is implications because it's in the playoffs. Does that make that? Does that make that his new home track? Absolutely, it's 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 east of the Mississippi. So I mean, you know that 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 sits in east there. East of Mississippi, That's north right. of north yeah. of Florida. <laughs> uh, and I think he even has a home track in uh, in yeah, Homestead. Sure. Uh, you know Bowman, who who was ten laps led in Richmond, was the second fewest in ever. Kevin Harvick led three in twenty thirteen. Denny Hamlin, though, let's talk about that streak. Eight top five finishes in the opening nine races. Um, that was an all time record for for top fives to start a season without a win. And Hamlin, as you pointed out, was still winless. And then William Byron with that streak. Remember how remember that streak William Byron was on? You know, eleven straight top ten finishes. It's the fourth longest in history behind uh, all Hendrick drivers. Jeff Gordon had 21 and 14. Jimmy Johnson had 13. Rick Hendrick owns the four longest top 10 streaks in NASCAR history. And that was by Byron. He was on fire for a little while there. And I still think Byron is one of those guys as we get closer to the playoffs. Uh, I still think he's going to be one of those guys that it would not shock me if he actually made it to Phoenix to the final race. I mean, he's so consistent. He stays out of trouble now. I mean, his problems really that's affected him with the exception of one bad run. He's had some pit issues or he's had to start at the rear of the field and gotten himself caught up in a mess because of something at an inspection. I mean, he's just he's had weird things happen to him the last few weeks. Yeah, no, it, it that was impressive. And then let, let's do talk about Kyle Larson a little bit. Let's focus in on Kyle now. We've kind of been all around the board. You're if you're a better, you gotta look at this Kyle Larson thing. We said futures, Jeff. Bet on Kyle Larson start of the season for the NASCAR championship because the number was going to go down. Wait till we tell you the number later today. But let's talk about the dominant runs that he had this year. You know, Darlington, Dover. Now these are sorry, uh, Kyle Larson's runs were three straight runner-up finishes. So okay, remember, he had he had the three straight he seconds. He, no, he did he dominate Darlington, Darlington, and he didn't win. Then he dominated Dover and didn't win. And then he was the fastest thing at Coda and didn't win. So he finished second, second, second. Then he comes off and runs Charlotte, Sonoma, the All-Star Race, which didn't count, you know, as far as official but then Nashville and just flat out stomped everybody in the mud hole. That was seven straight races, second six if you don't count the all-star race, but seven if you count the all-star race, that he flat out just put it on everybody. I mean, absolutely destroyed the field and made himself the most valuable property in NASCAR today. And I think maybe the biggest surprise of all of it was seeing how well he ran in Austin at the Circuit of the Americas and the way he really dominated the race at Sonoma. I mean, he started on the pole, but because of pit strategy, you know, he would be back in 12th, 14th place, would work his way back up to the lead. And that's not something we had really seen a lot of out of Kyle Larson in his career was him having great road course prowess. Now we know there's two road course races remaining in the regular season. Plus, we have the Roval in Charlotte in the playoffs. And the fact that Kyle Larson is very comfortable now on these road courses, I think, makes him an even bigger threat. Because, hey, what's going on the next four weeks for Kyle Larson? It's all about padding those playoff numbers so that you've got a little bit of a cushion as you start working your way through these three race segments when the playoffs start. You just said Roval. You know how I feel about that. It's still, it's what they're calling it. It's the Charlotte road course. Look, I had to say the Bushy McBush face 400 <laughs> yes! or whatever it was. Bushy McBush makes, it, makes <laughs> another comeback. 
Never thought we'd have to say it again, yet we snuck it in there. Way to go. Way to go, Motley. Yes, we all know how I feel about Roval. Uh, something new. Listen, I love Marcus Smith. You know I love Marcus. You know I love Brute. You know I love your team at SMI. It wasn't new. They've been doing it at Daytona for 50 years. Not for NASCAR, though. I'm just saying it wasn't new. It's not a Roval at Daytona. It's the Daytona International Speedway road course. Uh yeah, let me get off of that then. Now, we also had what was going to be our first ever doubleheader in NASCAR history, but of course, because of the pandemic, it ended up not being it. But Pocono had their amazing doubleheader. Five races, two days, absolutely amazing racing. Once again, Kyle Larson, one, one corner from winning the race <laughs> and doesn't win, gives Alex Bowman another double-digit winner, an 18-1. to one. And then Kyle Busch followed up my theory at Pocono, with the if he races Saturday or you know Friday or Saturday has a good day Kyle Busch comes home winner on the second day that was an awesome doubleheader day right there I mean I, I that was a great weekend Jeff well and don't forget the fact that Kyle Larson because he crashed out in the on Saturday had to start dead last on Sunday got into a couple of you know bumper to bumper bang ups early in the race and he fought his way all the way back and finished second in the race on Sunday so. Just another example of the strength of Kyle Larson this year. Kyle Larson been amazing. Then we went to, of course, uh, Road America. Chase Elliott proving once again why he is the road course master in our series right now. Uh, just unbelievable. But then a huge, another double-digit Kurt Busch with a dominant win that was... Uh, the last two winners, Jeff, really have come out of left field to me. Kurt Busch at 30-1, to Eric Almirola 80-1. to Just really cannot believe... Those two wins right now, I mean, you and I were pretty confident that we had 11, 12 winners, you know. Man, this thing jumped up in a hurry where you got Kurt and Eric back-to-back, huge odds on those guys. Yeah, you know, I don't think Kurt winning was necessarily a humongous shock. It was certainly a surprise. Uh, Eric Almarola winning at New Hampshire, I think, was a shock. But, Brendan, the thing that blew me away about both of those races Neither one of those guys won because of fuel mileage. Yeah, no strategy. No strategy. Somebody screwed up late. They both were clearly the best car on the racetrack all day long. And they, they were the deserving driver to win the race. They didn't back into those wins. No, and that was, that was I, I think, as you said, they weren't dominant guys all year long. And now, all of a sudden... They're dominant guys. So that was a huge, huge deal to see them do that. And But Eric Almirola even more so because Stuart Haas has flat out struggled. That's the first win for, for Stuart Haas this year. I mean, did you expect it to be Eric Almirola? Nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to give you more storylines. And, and uh, can you know, is that anybody can get a catch up in the playoffs? We'll talk about it when we return on Gone Racing. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X, and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Welcome back in, everybody. Brendan Gone, Gone Racing, VEASAN Studio here, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Mr. Jeff Motley hanging out in Sonoma. Jeff, let's talk about some of our season storylines. We've kind of broke down the whole first half of the season, how many huge double-digit winners we've had, how many surprising winners, how many just such an amazing thing. But even in the middle of all that, some of the storylines have been about domination. And first, Hendrick. Hendrick Motorsports is absolutely the Hendrick Motorsports of old, or maybe even the Hendrick Motorsports of never has been. They are absolutely unreal right now. Ten wins this season. First double-digit win season since 2014, which is when you know Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon were, were flat out the dynamic duo. And they have 18 wins. And, sorry. And then Hendrick back in 07 had 18 wins. Once again, dynamic duo. And you mixed in, I think, a win by Casey Mears in there or something like that. But all four drivers this season, Larson, Elliott, Byron, Bowman, all have won. Bowman has won multiple times. They had the, the, the second time ever, or the fourth time ever, a 1-2-3-4 finish. When they did it at Dover, Bowman first, Larson second, Elliott third, Byron fourth. It was the fourth 1-2-3-4 uh, finish for a team in the Cup Series history. But the better part is they almost backed it up the next week with another 1-2-3-4 finish. I think it was 1-2-4-5 the next week, Jeff. Hendrick, I don't know if we've ever seen, and Hendrick has dominated. I don't think we've ever seen it this stout from top to bottom. Uh, well, I hate to go to the point and say never because I definitely do look back at the Hendrick teams when they had Jimmy, Jeff, Dale Jr., and Casey Kane. You know, that was a pretty, pretty strong team. Yeah, but Jr. But, had some of those years with no wins, and well, this th- is- these guys are killing it. These guys are killing it right now. I mean, we haven't seen quite the Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon domination, although Kyle Larson might be getting close. Um, I think it's going to be really curious to see how we progress through the remainder of the season. I do believe knowing Chase Elliott's propensity on the road courses and if there's three road courses left, knowing how well Kyle Larson runs on the mile and a half, so we've got several of those type tracks left. And like Alex Bowman and William Byron, we know they're going to be consistent everywhere they go. There's not a race left on the schedule that I would discount the the Hendrick Carson winning. Well, and, and Kyle Busch, 
he had his 17th consecutive season with a win. Um, and that ties David Pearson for the second longest. Richard Petty, of course, has the longest 18 years. Go figure. But that's the thing. Richard Petty's is 18 years. Kyle Busch is one season away from tying a record set by Richard, Richard Petty. Petty. If you can tie anything by Richard Petty, you have definitely done something there. Uh, Absolutely. And, and Brad Keselowski, he won Talladega, led the last lap, you know, tight finish there. It was awesome. That was a sixth career win with a last lap pass. Brad is Mr. Clutch, apparently. And it's the third time Keselowski won a race by leading in only the last lap, which is pretty cool. Um, no, ever, no driver's ever done that more than once. So that was kind of cool. Those are kind of some of the quick storylines of this season, which I think were fun to follow uh, as far as, as fun storylines there. But now let's talk about the fight to the finish. How many guys that are trying to battle for this spot, Jeff? We're really tight right here. I mean, if you look at this, yes, the gap is big as far as after Tyler Reddick, but you got two guys – Two RCR teammates, Tyler Reddick, and and just outside of this, we're not showing it on the screen if you're watching on the VEASAN feed, uh, uh, Austin Dillon, he's six points behind Tyler for that last place playoff position. Another upset winner at Daytona, and guess what? Both RCR cars are out. Then Kevin Harvick is on the bubble. Then Kevin Harvick's on the bubble. So, I mean, you look at these guys. Can any of these guys make it on point? Do you think anybody can point their way back in? Or is this, other than Austin and Tyler, of course, those two are in a point battle. Other than that, can anybody point their way in or out? No. No no question. No one else is going to point their way in. You remember the Brendan, you remember the old goodies headache award they used to give out after every race? I thought at New Hampshire, after Al Marola won that race, I would have given the goodies headache Austin award to Dillon. Richard Jules. Oh, Richard, yeah, Richard. Because yeah. now Richard was sitting there, man, I got both, both my, my guys 100 in. points clear. And we're going to New Hampshire. New Hampshire's going to be won by Kyle Busch or Martin Denny Truex. Yeah, He was not expecting Al Marola. I think the race that these guys were all nervous about was Daytona. But I think when we see what Al Marola did at New Hampshire, guess what? I'd get nervous about all four of the remaining races. You can't tell me that Matt Benedetto is not capable of winning one of these races or Daniel Suarez or Bubba Wallace comes out of nowhere. We know Bubba can win at Daytona. The guy runs up front at Daytona and Talladega every time he goes there. No, and and like you said, you got two road courses where Suarez is pretty good. You got Daytona, of course. You got these things right now. If I'm Kevin Harvick, even I'm still a little nervous because you get if you get one guy win a road course, and then you end up with Daytona being the cutoff race, and there's Bubba Wallace being pushed. I'd be nervous if I'm Kevin because it could come down to that last race. All right, guys. When we come back, we're going to give you some of the championship odds and how we talk about futures at the beginning of the season. Everybody, Brendan Gone, welcome back in to Gone Racing, Mr. Jeff Motley. We're 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 running out of races here to make the playoffs. We just talked about who's out, who's in, and you look at the races coming up. Of course, we got Road Course, Road Course with Watkins Glen, one of our most famous ones on the NASCAR schedule, and then the inaugural uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course race, which I think is going to be a fun one to watch personally. 
Uh, and then you end up with Michigan, the old school. Everybody wants to win Michigan because that's where the big three, you know, their headquarters are. And then, of course, your favorite word, the crapshoot at Daytona uh, before you start the playoffs at Darlington. That, this is a very unique part of the schedule here. You know, two road courses, a two-mile, and then, of course, the super speedway. This is going to be a lot of fun down this stretch. Oh, I think it's going to be tremendous. I think, obviously, like we were talking in the previous segment, there's going to be some nervous drivers and some nervous co-owners that don't, or owners that don't have wins that are at the bottom of the top 16 right now. Um, obviously, I think we go into these next two races and we think that they're, you know, Chase Elliott is going to be the guy to beat. And look, if you're Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, you're some of these guys, this is the spot to go and make hay to get those playoff Pad points. Pad the points. Pad the points, baby. Right, because that's something that people have to remember. It really cost Kevin Harvick a chance to get to the final race at Phoenix last year because he had not compiled enough playoff points throughout the regular season. That's all you're thinking about right now if you're Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott and, and Martin Drix Jr., Kyle Busch, and all those guys. And, Jeff, how many points did Kevin Harvick miss the championship round by? One position. He one tried to wreck point. Kyle Busch on the last lap at Martinsville to get there. One point. One position. That, that means one stage win. You know, that means one more race win. That means at one point. So don't tell me those things don't matter. We're sitting here in August saying, oh, that, that no, those matter. They make a difference. So you're right. Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson proved me wrong this year. I said at Sonoma, okay, look, nobody can win stages and win the race. You know, you got you to gotta play the game. Then Kyle Larson goes out and wins stage one, wins stage two, and wins the race. So the, that theory is out the door now, been proven that when you're that strong as those two guys. So that could be a lot of fun. Now, One thing about those road courses, though, with that, and you know, Brendan, is the length of the of the, of the stage, yeah. the length of the course. Sonoma probably sets up a little bit better to do that. I, I don't think you're going to be able to do that at Indianapolis. But I think, I think you could potentially do that at Watkins Glen. But the length of the course at Indianapolis is probably going to make that a little tougher. The Glen you could. I think, but I do agree with you. Indianapolis will will be it's a unique challenge. It's another Roval, Motley. It's well, at the Xfinity race there last year, was any indication it ought to be amazing. You don't want to call it the Indianapolis Roval, Jeff? No, I've got we've got one Roval, but it's the same thing. It's inside an oval track and uses part of the oval. Why don't you but, call it a Roval? Have, but but Charlotte has actually trademarked the name Roval. <laughs> it is the Roval, the name of the course. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's get off the Roval talk <laughs> before I get Molly fired or, or before the Smith family calls him and says, what's this guy doing with you? Let's talk about the championship odds right now. This is where we're still a betting show. Let's talk about the championship odds. But remember what we talked at the start of the season? I said this, and Jeff, you and I say this all the time if we're talking futures. When you bet a future bet is just as important as who you bet in the future. And when the odds started this season, you and I circled one guy and said, holy cow, holy cow, holy cow, that's the guy that I'm going to bet on right now. And that is Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson, right before Daytona, was plus 575 to win the championship. He's now the favorite at plus 280. It's a great number on Kyle Larson, but Brendan, if you'll also remember, we decided we were also going to say, who would be your long shot guy? And I want to say that the guy that I think you and I both agreed on as a great long shot guy before the oh, Daytona yeah. 500 was 
47 to 1. To one. Yep. And he's sitting down there at 12 to 1 right now, and that's William Byron. So I, I think that those are certainly some guys, and you know Alex Bowman's numbers also have dropped dramatically. But you mentioned Larson; his odds are almost cut. I guess they are cut in half from what they were before Daytona. William Byron's have been cut by three fourths. I mean, completely chopped up since Daytona. No, and and if you look, I was not as high as as on Alex Bowman at the start of the season as I was William. Now they're about equal in my eyes. They both have proven they can they can flat out you know, play in this game at that level in that, you know, and be relevant every week. But you look at those two numbers. Bowman went from 24 to 14. William went from 47 to 12. And those are guys that, hey, look, that was your time to bet them at 47 and 24. Now they're still 12 and 14. I would tell you right now, it is still time to jump on a William Byron and Alex Bowman bad wagon. Now, you're not going to get them at 47 and 24. But 12 and 14 is pretty darn good when I think I'm going to see them single digits after the playoffs start, maybe in that second round, they're going to be down in that plus 800, plus 600 range. You're still getting a good odd on those two guys. No, you absolutely are. But I'll tell you, once the playoffs start, guess what? Other than maybe going after Eric Almarola or Kurt Busch or Michael McDowell or Christopher Bell, once these playoffs get started, and especially once we finish Bristol and we whack it down to 12, it's too late to bet the championship. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you're looking for good numbers, you got to jump on them now. And here's one that's gone the opposite way that I think, even though hasn't been running great, but Kevin Harvick started the season at plus 575. He was the early season favorite uh, to win the championship, has now gone all the way down up to 12 to 1. I don't see Kevin Harvick making this whole season without winning, and I don't see Kevin Harvick making this whole season with with not being a contender down the stretch. I think that's a great number for Kevin, once again, to jump on now while it's still high because as the playoffs go, that's going to diminish. Well, and Kevin is one of those guys who is – he may have to win just to get into the final eight. I mean, I think he can point himself into the final eight. I think he will figure out how to do that. But – to get any farther, I, I think he's going to have to win. I don't believe there's going to be any pointing his way any farther than that. No, I mean, he definitely ain't going to be able to point his way into the fourth round with the number of bonus points that the, well, you say that and then look what happened, you know, in the past. I, you know, I like some of these things. And if I go down to the second page of our championship odds, there's some guys that are kind of unique in there. Um, Tyler Reddick, is he in our conversation or not that he can maybe run for the championship? He's gone from 98 to 1 to 60 to 1. Um, and Austin Dillon's gone the opposite way, even though they're running about the same. Austin Dillon's gone from 75 to 80. So I don't know. There, you know, Matt Benedetto is definitely not. He was 62 to one start the year, 100 to one now. I don't know. I, your your guy Kurt Busch just dropped a few points. He's down to 25 to one. I, there, there's some intriguing numbers on the second page, but there's guys I like on the first page that are even more of a favorite. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think probably of all the ones on what we would call our quote-unquote second page, Kurt's probably the guy because he is a former champion and kind of knows what it takes. But, um, boy, it's going to be hard to come off that second page given the playoff bonus point structure. Unless you get hot, baby. Remember, you win, you advance to the next round. So that's that's the important thing there. If you win, you're back. So everybody remember that. Don't forget. Which, which Kurt did in Vegas, remember? Yes, he did. All right, guys, we're going to come back, finish up the show, and tell you where everybody's at next year. Talk to you soon.
Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Want to rewatch any part of today's show or any past show? Check us out at vsin.com forward slash subscribe. There are also money, uh, multiple other ways for you to watch. VEASAN's available on Fubo and Sling. They've partnered with iHeartMedia. You can also access VEASAN on all your Alexa devices. For all the ways to watch and listen, go to vsin.com forward slash subscribe today. All right, everybody. Welcome back in. Brennan gone. Jeff Motley gone racing. Not really a race to uh, preview So we're, with the Olympic break. So we're kind of going through some of the stuff this year that, that uh, the betters have seen and some of the, the deals. And, and the last thing we really need to talk about, which is it's a big news because it's going to shake up a lot of things next year when you go to make your bet. You're going to be betting, you know, Brad Keselowski will not be at Penske Racing next year when you talk about, you know, betting on a team to win. You better get that straight when you're trying to put places and faces. And, uh, Let's start off with the new same faces in different places next year. A lot of news so far this week, Motley. Uh, Brad Keselowski, of course, I think the biggest news. I mean, no shocker, but I think we all have. That was the worst kept secret. Worst kept secret. Yeah. He uh, he is going to Roush Fenway, Keselowski Racing, (laughs) as a driver and ownership role. Kurt Busch, not sure what he's doing yet. He's still rumored in 23X1. Ross Chastain, 
not sure what he's going to do next year. He's in, you know a candidate for that second seat at the old Ganassi Racing. Matty D's out of Penske. Newman is out uh, at Roush because Brad Keselowski's already been announced over there. Ryan Priest, we know that that combo is is up in the air. But there's a lot of new teams that are coming next year that has a lot of these people looking for seats. You've got Colleg Racing, which has a brand new race team that's coming. GMS is coming with new cup teams. Uh, 23X1 is adding you know, a team next year, rumored to be adding a team next year. So there are a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff happening in the NASCAR world where you know, what team you bet on next year is going to be a whole lot tougher than this year where you know, Hendrick is my, plus 180 every week. Well, you're right, and I think the probably the biggest change of the newness we're going to see for next year is what we're going to see with the Penske organization, with Austin Sendrick coming in, replacing Brad Keselowski, and seeing Harrison Burton move over into the Wood Brothers car that we know is really kind of like a fourth Penske car, replacing Matt DiBenedetto. So I think that's probably the biggest um, new faces that we're going to see. Obviously, Justin Haley is going to come in and be the full-time driver for Colling Racing. They're probably going to run a part-time team with A.J. Allmendinger in a second car. Uh, I think Allmendinger is going to have a little bit more interest in that in that organization. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Maury Gallagher's GMS team. We don't really know exactly uh, if they're going to even run full-time, but we know there's a big, big push on for charters. We also know that the track house racing, uh, Daniel Suarez is going to have a teammate since they bought the, uh, the charters from Chip Ganassi. So uh, there's certainly going to be a lot of changing, a lot of new faces. And uh, that's kind of what makes it exciting every year, you know, is to see who's different. And, and Brendan, maybe the biggest change of all is going to be the new car in 2022. Well, and, and the new car is, is a huge... That's why all this stuff's happening bigger than normal right now. This new car, a lot of ownership here. You know, those charters you talked about, Jeff, I, we've all heard rumors. Over $10 million is what we've heard is the rumor that the going price for a charter was right now. It's rumored, but listen, that, that, if that is true, then that means NASCAR, kudos to them for inventing the charter system. You now gave owners a value, which is what they were looking for. I've not been a big fan of the charter system, but if that is true, then NASCAR truly came up with something that gave value to a team owner, and kudos to them on that. And this next part is the next-gen car. Um, It's designed to be more cost-effective. Let's put an asterisk there. It will not be next year, of course, with a lot of money to change them over. They say it's supposed to be safer. I've seen some of the pictures. I've seen some of the videos. A lot of crushable impact, a lot of things like that, which for me in the seat, I like that. The other thing the manufacturers liked, it's much more like the, the, the race on Sunday, sell on Monday cars, right? It's supposed to be looking like the manufacturer. The Toyota looks like a Toyota. The Ford looks like a Ford. The Chevy looks like a Chevy. And I've heard that there are two manufacturers that are really in talks to come into the sport in the next three years because of this car, and it's supposed to make the racing better. Now, I think we've seen some great racing. If this can improve it even more, Jeff, then it's going to be a W for this new car. I agree. I think it's fantastic. I think probably the hardest part is going to be that these teams are not going to be manufacturing many of their own parts anymore. There's there's parts suppliers for almost every part of the car. Uh, that's obviously going to you know that's going to create a little bit of uh, uh, I guess recession within the uh, the teams because obviously they won't need as many employees, but. Uh, It's certainly going to make the cars hopefully more equal, and it's going to level the playing field for the teams that come in, like Colleague Racing, like Trackhouse Racing, to be able to compete with Hendrick and Gibbs and and those other teams when they get there. See, now I disagree with some of those statements, but 
we'll see how it goes in the end on this. But it is it is definitely a, a it is definitely a bonus what we have going on with this new car. And let's talk about some of the new things. It's more symmetrical. So now this may sound kind of funny. Everybody going, what the hell? What do you mean more symmetrical? It's a car. Look. I've been in the sport, Jeff, a long time. I remember when the left front fender at Martinsville went from this big. Let me get in the camera. There we go. Went from this big to you go to Michigan the next week and it was this big. But it still fit the same templates. <laughs> so that was well, the fun part. Well, and keep in mind, the teams are only going to allow be allowed to have seven chassis per car number at any one time. time. Yeah. If the chassis gets destroyed then they can purchase a new one. But NASCAR is going to control. So you're not going to have these race shops anymore that have 14, 15 cars sitting around them. Well, oh, this is my Daytona car. Oh, and this, this is my, my yep. Watson car. Yep, no, no. You're going to pretty much run the same car everywhere. And and for the symmetrical side, guys, you hear us say the word crab, you know, it's crabbing down the straight or it's dog walking where you watch us at Michigan and the cars are, they're really bent up. And then you watch it at Daytona and it's straight. They It's changed. So those are things that, that the symmetrical means where you're not going to have all those goofy looking cars going down the racetrack. Um, another huge thing is the independent rear suspension. So, that some people may say, well, I don't get it. If you own a truck, you have a big nine-inch rear end in there, right? That's a big solid axle. That's what NASCAR has. But if you own a Ford, a Chevy, or a Toyota Camry, Mustang, it does not have that in the rear end. It has an independent rear suspension. This car is going to go match the manufacturer's version much better, Jeff, and that is supposed to help for racing. You're going to have more tunability, but it also helps manufacturers say we're racing what we have on the street. Well, and I think that's a, that was an important part for the manufacturers. I mean, it goes back to what you said earlier: win on Sunday and sell on Monday. And I think that's their whole that's their whole idea again. Now, the next two things have been the most controversial: uh, the 18-inch wheel and the center lug nut. Now, listen, people, <laughs> this is not going to go to IndyCar or Formula One, where you know it they 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 have two second pit stops. One lug nut is safer. Now, of course, in this year in the Indy 500, we had a guy leave the pits without a lug nut on, and the wheel comes off. Yeah, one. You had one job for one, one piece. You had one job. Piece of equipment. <laughs> Lewis, you had one job. And so, but the 18-inch wheel, what that's going to do is it's going to stop this whole PJ1 conversation. You're going to now have more tire patch. You can make a softer tire because there's less sidewall. Goodyear can go back and be a factor instead of making these hockey pucks for tires that have to live forever. And you can make the racing better all because that tire. To me, that solves a huge problem. And the center lug nut will not be as controversial, guys, because it's just going to be one lug nut. It's still going to have a guy carrying a tire, Jackman, all the stuff you see. It's just going to be a lot easier to do that. You know, my concern there is for the NASCAR Foundation because I think all the fines to the crew chiefs for losing <laughs> they're, they're going to lose a lot of money. Foundation. So <laughs> when the NASCAR Foundation comes up about $500,000 short of their goal next year, it's going to be because they got rid of lug nuts. That's really funny right there, actually. And and the fine's going to be big if you lose the one. So yeah, I wouldn't do it. Um, a transaxle. Yeah, I, I don't know what that'll be. The, the transaxle basically goes along with the independent rear suspension. It basically now, there's no... There's no rear end like you're used to seeing in them. Now it's the transmission, the gear. It's all one. It's got wishbone. That one's a little, little, little deep into the weeds there. We'll leave that one alone. The drivers are positioned even closer to the center of the car. Of course, the new car, we were moved in a little bit. Well, going back new car, going back 10 years, 11 years, Jeff. But now we're even further into the center of the car, which is another safety feature for the driver. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess if you get T-boned, it's a safer thing. It, to me, that's going to look a little funny. Um, I'm just waiting to see how far has the guy got to crawl into that car to get into well, the seat. It's not. And here's the thing. See, to, to, it sounds weird saying it's more in the center, but we're talking more in the center by inches. We're not talking by feet. So every one of those adds a little safety to us. And the last three things, the, the driver in the center, the impact absorbing technology and the roll bars and cage are more robust. Those are all things to keep us safer in these race cars. These are things we've learned from the Ryan Newman Rex. These are things we've learned since the, the, the safer wall technology and all these things. I saw a picture of a car without the skin on it the other day and the rear and front bumpers, Jeff are phenomenal. They're basically giant crushable impact. It's this huge box steel that is made just to crush that is made to slow that down. And listen, I've had 100 plus G impacts in our sport. I've had these big wrecks. I know what those feel like. It's really awesome to know. We're t- milliseconds we're talking. When, you, when you're talking G-loads and deltas and all these things, they're milliseconds. These are all big things to keep us safer in the race car all year long to keep us running. And I like these things because, you know, look, it's I, I hit my head a lot. I think you can tell by me on this show. So <laughs> I'll take any help I can get. Uh, I think, look, anything they can do to make it safer but make it com- more competitive, I'm all for it. So that's really all we got to talk about. Um, there, there is a glass graphic that I'm trying to get us to avoid. Um, Can we skip it? We yeah, just I, I, I don't want. I don't want to show the last graphic because the last graphic talks about how absolutely piss poor everybody at Gone Racing did last week in our betting pools. Um, no, no, I said I wanted to skip the graphic. Skip the graphic. Oh man. Well, somebody, and I'm talking about myself. Completely got hosed because I had Kyle Busch in two different places. <laughs> so my hopes were dashed five laps into the race. Yeah, no. Let's just take that off. Let's just not talk about how we did last week. Last week was was an anomaly. We've been much better lately. We don't need. We don't want to talk about that. So um, we will come back in two weeks. It's the Olympic break now, guys. So Motley, me, and you will be returning in a couple weeks to discuss uh, heading up into uh, Watkins Glen. Watkins Glen. So enjoy your day at Sonoma. We appreciate you guys joining us. Enjoy the Olympics, everybody. This is a great time of year, one of my favorite. I love watching the Olympics. Can't wait to see all the great athletes. And even after this, guys, stay. remember, there's Paralympics afterwards. So really fun to watch those kids. Ton of fun. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you in two weeks. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find yours in online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.